They might not have hair, but they really do care about faith and life. Two bald pastors. From our world headquarters in Kensington, Connecticut, it's the Two Bald Pastors Podcast. Connecting real faith and real life, I am Jeff Sinabaldo. And I'm Joe McGarry. And we are two follically challenged pastors serving in congregations of the New England Synod in the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America, or as we like to call it, the ELCA. Oh, that sounded a little creepy. <laughs> the <Ooh>. ELCA. <laughs> Look out. Here comes the church. <laughs> So how's your bread supply going there, Joe? It is running out pretty quickly. (laughs) (laughs) Honesty here on the Two Bald Pastors podcast. That's right. We are on week three of John chapter six, walking through this bread of life, holy meal of Jesus time with you all. So welcome back. This is kind of where a lot of preachers get a little puttered out with the bread imagery. This is a good week to go on vacation and get (laughs) some other people lined up. (laughs) So we, we've talked about bread for the last two weeks, and uh, hopefully you've enjoyed those podcasts. And it, it is more than just about bread. It's about the relationship that Jesus has with these people, these crowds that was first established in the feeding of the 5,000, uh, continued in their conversation about um, how do you receive this bread, what is this bread. And now, um, maybe like a lot of preachers out there, there's a little grumbling going on. Grumble, 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 grumble. Right. So why are they grumbling, Jeff? Because it's August and it's, <laughs> it's hot. hot. Yeah, yeah. And they want something more than bread <laughs> or some cheese and crackers or some lemonade. So in this passage today, we hear they're grumbling, and it's rooted in a question, which is basically like, Jesus, where are you from? What's your deal? Who are you? Um, and what's also interesting about this passage is we have heard The first verse we're going to read was the last verse we read last week, so there's a little overlap there. Also, if you're going to read the lection as it is given, we skip over a few verses. So it reads uh, John 6, uh, verse 35, and then skips down to 41 to get into the argument. But I think what we're going to do is we're going to tag team. So Joe is going to read for us the missing verses, and I'm going to read the other verses that are assigned because maybe it will reveal something else to us in that hearing. So here we go, John 6, starting with verse 35. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But I told you that you have seen me and still don't believe. Everyone whom the Father gives to me will come to me, and I won't send anyone away, anyone who comes to me. I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but the will of him who sent me. This is the will of the one who sent me, that I will not lose anything he has given me, but I will raise it up on the last day. This is my Father's will, that all who see the Son and believe in him will have eternal life, and I will raise them up on the last day. Then the Jews began to complain about him, because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They were saying, Is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How can he say, I have come down from heaven? Jesus answered them, Do not complain among yourselves. No one can come to me unless drawn by the Father who sent me. 
and I will raise that person up on the last day. It is written in the prophets, and they shall all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Not that anyone has seen the Father, except the one who is from God. He has seen the Father. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, and they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven, so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats of this bread will live forever, and the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. So take that, complainers. <laughs> Stop your complaining. Right. We were joking that uh, as, as pastors, we're going to get a nice big print-up of verse 43 put on our door at, at the churches. Jesus answered them, Do not complain among yourselves. That'd be fun. That would be fun. <laughs> Get t-shirts. For the first day. <laughs> It'd be fun for the first day, then we'd have to answer for it. Okay, so what do you see going on here, Joe? Well, yeah, as you mentioned, it's that first, that question, who is this guy, and basically what authority has been given to him mm, yeah. in order to do the things that he's doing, and how can we really trust what he's saying? I mean, that they're trying to figure this out now. They saw him do miracles. They followed him. They had a conversation with him. But now they're saying, okay, he's telling us all this stuff. How can we really know he's legit? Yeah, and I think we all kind of face that, don't we? I mean, how do we know what we say comes from God or not? I mean, maybe we could all kind of own that a little bit. Or how do we know, how do we have the authority of our position that we're in as a Whatever it is we do, as a parent, as a spouse, as a um, educator, as a official of, of some kind, as pastors, as uh, an auto mechanic, as you know, what gives you the authority to say the things that you say? Yeah. And as I see the world today, authority. Authority figures are not necessarily given the authority that they once used to be given, right? Right. They're you know, usually met first with suspicion, and then they have to prove prove it. Right. Or, or even in some positions, authority has been already given. Say, like we see a lot in in the police. You know, when yep. when a police officer would stop you, you get nervous. You're like, okay, they have authority. They they can right. you know put me in jail. But more and more, we see. You know, uh, and sometimes because of of reason, perhaps uh, authority being abused, uh, people are a little more suspicious and say, "I'm not going to listen to you." You know, who, what right. right do you give in order to do what you're going to do? Yeah, I also just thought in the political arena, just in the last ten years or so, you know, you had when uh, President Obama was elected, show us your, show us your birth certificate yep. or you're illegitimate. And, and currently, you know, with, with President Trump, people are like, well, it was, you know, the, the election was tampered with, so you're not a legitimate uh, president. And you hear, you hear just automatic suspicion because it's the other side, and you only listen to the people that you agree with, and yep. you end up with just one big heated mess. But in this particular case, uh, you know, he's been talking about uh, seeking God. He's been talking about actually embodying the bread of life, that somehow this, this food that he gives is not just from himself, but is from God. And they say, 
why should we believe you? I guess in some ways, maybe that is the right question. You know, in verse 35, what we ended with, he says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. And, you know, if someone came up to us and said that, we might be a little suspicious on, okay, what's the deal here? What does that mean? What are you talking about? How do we, how can we believe what you are saying? It reminds me a little bit, we talked about this before, a, a little bit of a couple of chapters ago in John's Gospel when you've got Jesus meeting the woman at the well. And, you know, he asks for a drink of water, and then she says, you have no bucket. And then he says, but I'll give you living water, and if you drink of this water, you'll never be thirsty again. And she looks at him like he's nuts. Right, yeah. <laughs> you know, like, what's wrong with you? What yeah. are you talking about? And then they get into an argument about, you know, where the right place to worship is and who follows what. But he he shows her his authority when he tells her about her life and kind of, like, tells her her own story to her mm. in a way that she knows it's legit, you know, just it, it changes. Then she goes, she can't stop talking about Jesus. She goes right. <laughs> back in the village and says, you got to listen to this guy. So speaking of authority a little bit, I mean, I think you and I are privileged in the fact of we're both white, middle-class males with families. We both have a son and daughter. Yep. I think for most of our lives, our authority is not necessarily questioned too much. That's right. Yep. We're given the benefit of the doubt more than not. Yeah. Yep. But there are many of our brothers and sisters out there who are not in the same position as us whose authority has been questioned. That's right. I think we need to take that seriously and think about that a little bit. And, you know, some people blame it on political correctness or whatever, but I think it's a real thing that really is a trigger for many people. And I think we need to, to lift that up and acknowledge that in this passage when we read about the authority given to Jesus and authority be given to us and how we use our voice in order to lift up those whose authority might be questioned. And uh, I think you and I are both passionate about that and try to do what we can in order to help folks in that arena. Yeah, it's interesting, um, just talking about how you, how you privilege things, um, because even reading this story, we've already, we've already privileged Jesus as having authority, because yeah. we, already, we already believe what he says. I know when I hear this and they start complaining about it or, or saying, you know, who are you? And then you say, oh, you're going you're gonna to find out who he really <laughs> is. You know, you're in the, you're in the wrong here. But, but I like the way you phrased it before, that, that it's a legitimate question and, and just not even thinking about it till now. Like we just automatically privilege Jesus' authority in these stories because we already know him in a different way than the people in the stories have yet. Right. Yeah, I mean, what, what does give Jesus authority? I mean, he goes on to, to talk about being sent from the Father, and because it's from the Father, and, you know, then that, that's what gives it legitimacy. But I can see why they would say, but we know your parents, so what are you talking right, about? Right, right. I mean, that seems... Like, didn't our kids grow up with, with you? <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> right, right. Kind of a thing, like, we, we remember that. And in some ways, I mean, I, I agree with you in that, but also in some ways... Yeah, push back. They've seen what he's been able to do. And That's where right. does his power come from? I mean, they need to have that question in the back of their mind. You know, he, Jesus just fed 5,000 people. Right. And whether it was a, a generosity or whether it was bread and fish multiplying... It still happened. Know, it still yeah. happened. Right. And, you know, you got to think there's something special about this guy, but it it doesn't 
seem like the crowds get that at all. And I don't know why they don't get that. Maybe just because in the back of their mind, they're like, this is Mary and Joseph's son. Like, Yeah, or just the privileges that you've just lifted up that you and I share. I mean, people don't like when the status quo is questioned. Yeah, yeah. Even if it's not in their favor. And we've we've faced that, you know. I mean, we've come to churches before where, you know, you're the pastor, so you're supposed to have some kind of authority based on your office that you hold. But people are reluctant to let you do stuff or tinker with things because, well, you just got here or, you know, I'll be here a lot longer than you will be and this is the way we do it. And, you know, there's there's all kinds of little little things like that. And life. I mean, I'm, I'm just picking on church because that's my experience, but people have that anywhere, I think, too. Systems you walk into don't like to be changed. Right. Even if what they're doing is not working or, or is making it worse. They still systems like to just keep it on the on the level the same. So I mean, here you've got people that are at the bottom of the empire that they're in. They're out in the wilderness somewhere, so they're not like in the main. It's not like they're in Jerusalem or right. the bigger populated areas where they could have some connections. It's probably in the daytime, so they're not working. So you know, there's there's a few clues as to why they're not in the privileged class, but yet they're they're going to challenge the, they're going to challenge the challenge to the status quo just because. So we as church leaders, we really risk a lot when we become truth tellers, and we speak what we believe the Bible is telling us, and what and how we connect with the world and and our faith and and all that. We we risk a lot because either a people are going to come after us, like they're coming after Jesus, or B, people could leave our churches, try to seek something else out, and, you know, really disastrous things could happen. But but I believe when we start to become truth-tellers and start to lift up the things that we believe God is saying to us through Scripture, through prayer, through meditation, I really think it's a freeing thing. Yeah, and it kind of needs to be. I know you've had similar experiences to me in this regard where you you walk out of church, just say, because again, that's our experience, and you have a few people that hate everything you just said, a few people that loved everything you said, and a lot of people didn't say anything about what you said. Right, right. And this goes on and on and on, and sometimes you just think, well, I, I'm not making any headway. I, I'm not, this isn't going anywhere, or I can't win, or whatever way you want to um, use to express that, and it, it can be very deflating. And then, just as you said, the, the the freedom you find is well. Then you just you just need to do what's right, yeah. Or you need to speak what you you believe is true. And um, if people push up against that or lift it up or are indifferent to it, you shouldn't you shouldn't care about that as much. You should just be true to what you're there to do. And it's interesting. I mean, the the, the gospels. I mean, they they are loaded with little clues along the way because you know where the story goes. I mean it's the the story that goes to the cross is is already being laid out in these early chapters. Yep. So yep. you start to see that opposition early on because you know where it's when it's going to finally come to a head. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean I, I I mean I've had experiences recently where I mean in the last couple of years where I've had people just absolutely lambast me. And with the who are you to say any of that yep. or, you know, whatever. And then some people just say, I'm, I'm so glad you used 
that opportunity to talk about that. Or people I've really disagreed with have come around and have said, I don't agree with you on this, but I see, I'm see i trying to see where you're coming from, and I get what you're trying to do, and I at least appreciate that. Yeah. And um, we can maybe have a conversation about ways to do it better or, or more effectively. But, but uh, yeah, I, I think it seems, it seems to me that just in general, society is not in a place that readily accepts authority in, in the way that I don't even want to say we should, I, but probably in the way we used to. Like you pointed out, for obvious reasons, there's been lots of scandals and abuses and reasons why it's broken down over the years that gives plenty of ammunition for those who <laughs> want to discredit people, and I, I get that. Um, it makes you want to work a little bit harder to just kind of re try to establish that trust as best you can. And I know it doesn't always work, too, but what to do with that, I mean, you just keep at it as best you can. And how we talk about it, I think, is important. And and as you were saying that, I was questioning in my head, when we talk about authority, isn't the, the way that it used to be, is that a good thing or a bad thing? And I think it depends on the perspective. I agree. Yeah. I, I agree. Mean, but I think, but here, I think we can say, uh, well, this is the, always the point I come to, because that like you, I have some very strong feelings about things, but I also know what my office is that I hold. So it's and you do too. And you start to think, okay, where where's the line between right. the job and the personal? And yep. and where do you how do you define that and where do you define that? And and you know, and I think it's different for everybody to try to negotiate that. But 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 you can try to find some objective facts. And I think saying like it's not the way it was, I think I think you could say that. I think that you respect could. for authority yeah. has changed. It I has. think you can say that for better or for worse. I think that's true. And I mean, I don't have like piles of data to confirm that, but that, <laughs> I mean, intuitively that feels right yep, yep, to me. Yep. And so you could talk about as we are the, the why behind that. And then if you want to have authority that matters, how do you go about doing that? And it, it seems to me there there are better ways to do that than others. Yeah. And yeah. what we seem to be seeing in our culture right now is if you just gather enough people that agree with you, you're going to force your authority on others. And that doesn't seem to me to be the right way to go about that. No. Even even for a short-term gain. I, I, I don't think that actually helps helps people. It just makes you... It just grows the resentment, I think. Yep. But if you can find a way to... Even if you don't agree, just just to find a, a a place to bring some people together to say, can we at least hold this up? Maybe it's got a starting place there. But but back to our text. <laughs> Jesus says, and I think this is where where a lot of preachers kind of get stuck is because you know you have the disagreement, and then he goes on for you know it's a little bit of a rant, a little bit of a rant of about eight or nine verses of. I'm sent from the Father, and anyone who believes in me will have eternal life, and I am the bread of life, and, you know, your ancestors ate manna in the wilderness and they died, but when you eat the bread from heaven, you won't die. And then in verse 52, which... We get next week. We get next week. Yeah, 51 is a repeat. You know, then they they still asked, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? Like, they're thinking so literally... They're not thinking right. on the, the higher level of what Jesus is talking about. You know, Jesus is, 
is way up here and they're they're way down there trying to figure this guy out and and how do we how do we close that gap i guess i mean that's still a problem that we face today how do we close that gap i think the only thing you can do is just kind of keep at it and again to lift something up that we talked about last week is just realize it's actually not about you i would say lately for me i found that to be really helpful i mean there's just uh as I'm sure most people have experienced in their lives and in their congregations, the anxiety level of everybody is just like incredibly high right now. And you can take it personally Mm -hmm. until you realize you don't have to. And it's, it's not about you actually. And then you can start to think, okay, what are ways to engage that in a way that could maybe be helpful? I mean, I think getting back to, and I don't know if that's just, getting people in a room to talk and just laying some ground rules about what's appropriate and what's not if we're going to have a conversation or if it's meeting with people individually who you can tell are just making it worse. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Cuz their anxiety is so high, they're, you know, doing all the sabotaging things in in ways that they may not even realize they're doing. Yeah, I think you you need to work on building trust. And the building of trust is what actually will bring the the authority you hope to gain. Yep. Here, I mean, what Jesus is talking about here, you know, if you want confirmation from the manna, well, everybody that ate it's dead. Yeah, right. There's right. your confirmation. But if you want a bread that gives life, now you can start to talk about how our faith actually does that for people. I mean, think of the people you visited in their dying days and gave them communion, and you know that it's not just a ritual to make them feel better. Right, right. That, there, that there's life there, and it's it's kind of on both sides of life and death and death and life yep. in the same moment. I had a um, parishioner who, very active in the church, but as he got older, just not able to make it to church anymore, but still had passion, not only for his faith, but also for the church as an institution. I would say almost every time I came to see him and gave him communion, he would tear up. He said, this just gives me life. Mm-hmm. And to find someone so passionate, for some of us, and, and this is why some churches still hold off on doing weekly communion, because it, it, it's not a special you know, um, but for me, it's special every single week, and I just have that connection with God, and, and it just reminds me every week that I am a blessed child of God, and I just absolutely love that. So, yeah, or it's the it's the one little substance substance that can get you through whatever else is weighing on you. Right. Yeah. Yep. For sure. Well, that is our. Uh, Third week for this series in in John chapter six. All right, we're we're over the hump. We're over the hump. Uh, we got two more left, so uh, we will see you next week on this podcast. Um, just a reminder: we are the Two Bald Pastors, helping you connect your faith with your life. We haven't really directed you to our website or Facebook, so we will do that now. Uh, Facebook dot com backslash Two Bald Pastors, or you can find us on the web twobaldpastors.com. So in those areas are places that you can connect with us. If you have questions about what we are saying, if you have comments, if you disagree with us, you know, please let us know. We love to engage in conversation and um, to really flesh this out a little bit, so to speak. 
on uh, these texts. Yep, we're just figuring it out like everybody else. So uh, find us online. Connect with us in, in any way that you would like to do. We are the Two Bald Pastors, helping you connect your faith with your life. I'm Joe McGarry. And I'm Jeff Sinabaldo. Have a blessed day. Bye now. They might not have hair, but they really do care about faith and life. Two Bald Pastors. Ready? I am ready. All right, whenever you're ready, go for it. From our worldwide headquarters in Kensington, Connecticut, it's the Two Bald Pastors Podcast. Woohoo! So, what do you think about that? <laughs> what do I normally say there? I forget. We are the Two Bald Pastors. From our world headquarters in Kensington, Connecticut, it's the Two Bald Pastors Podcast, Woo-hoo! where we try our best to connect real faith and real life. I'm Jeff Sinabaldo. And I'm Joe McGarry. And we are two follically challenged pastors serving in congregations in the New England Synod of the... New- <laughs> you can tell this is the third one we've done today. <laughs> All right, now I'm going to do it for reals. Take three. All right. Welcome. Nope.